And uh, I do look forward to all getting back here soon. Uh, but the show must go on. We've got the will of God to get about here in this new year, and we're going to do just that. I do want to encourage you, make plans to be here next Sunday. I am very excited about next Sunday. Uh, it's once again where I get to share with you my heart, and boy, my heart has been full over the last few months. Uh, Brother Bo's got to be a little bit of a part of it. I see him smiling. He's grinning from ear to ear right now because he knows what's coming next Sunday as far as what God's placed on our heart, and uh, we're going to show it to you next week. We're going to pour it out in front of you. We're going to show you a video. It's about a seven-minute video. It took that much video time to, to, really, to really encompass what I want to tell you and show you of what I believe God's going to have us do. So you be here next Sunday. And the next Sunday night, Lord willing, if you can be here for that, we're going to give you some practical things uh, of how you can go about in the new year accomplishing the will of God. We're going to give you some plans for our church, some exciting things we're going to be looking forward to doing uh, together in the new year. So some specific practical things next Sunday night. So I want to encourage you to be here for that and just looking forward to what God's going to do in our church throughout the new year in spite of whatever may be going on. Genesis chapter number 8, if you're there, let's stand together, stretch our legs just a little bit. I don't think you spread germs by standing up, all right? Uh, so let's stand up, stretch our legs, and honor the reading of God's word. And let's jump in verse number 1 here as the flood uh, of Noah is ending. And we're going to jump over to several verses in chapter number 8, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. The Bible says, Genesis 8, 1, and God remembered Noah in every living thing. Aren't you glad this morning that God doesn't forget us? God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. I'm telling you, as I read those two verses, I was so thankful this morning that our God has the power to do that. He can calm the storm and stop the rain, and he can make the floods to be evaded. Now, if you would jump over to verse number 14, we're going to see what God has commanded Noah to do after the flood has ended. Verse 14, in the second month of the seven, of, of the seven and twentieth day of the month was the earth dried. God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl. And whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the, of the ark. We're going to read some more later, but let's stop there and let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege again to be here today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. We know that what we read this morning, Lord, is a true story. And Lord, how we can learn from it. What a valuable lesson there is for us today. I pray you'd help us to receive your word, to take it to heart, to learn from it, be changed by it. I pray, Father, for all the burdens that are on our hearts today. Could we set them aside just for a few minutes? that we might receive your word today and, Lord, move forward in this new year as a church body to accomplish your will. I pray for the lost today. They'll be saved, and I pray for the saved to be challenged and changed, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today is day three of a much-anticipated new year. Uh, I think all of us probably could probably say together we've never really anticipated and looked forward to a new year the way we have looked forward to 2021. Uh, I was excited about this new year, and I was thinking comically about how often we, around New Year's, we gather together, and we we're sitting there arm in arm with our family, holding hands, and we're singing or listening to that old Lang Syne song that talks about the old times past. And we look as that year is going into the history books, and we weep sometimes. We have sad emotional feelings about uh, the year that has gone by, and we're looking back with fond memories that have transpired over the last 12 months. And yet I kind of have a feeling that most of us were not doing that this past December 31st around midnight. Uh, for those of you that were still awake around December 31st at midnight, uh, you're probably singing that song off of the sound of music, So Long, Farewell. You're glad to see it go. I don't know that any of us were really sad to see the last year go. I think we were excited about it, and we hope it stays gone for a long, long time, eternally. As a matter of fact, my neighbors have been celebrating the new year for the last three days. 
Uh, they rang in the new year with fireworks, and then they rang in Saturday with fireworks, and they rang in Sunday with fireworks. They're so excited to have a new year, they've been ringing in the new day uh, every time we've had one, and they're just still celebrating. I guess they have leftover fireworks, and they're still popping them. But here's something I want you to think about this morning. As, uh, as interesting as a new year is, and as exciting as a new year is, there's really nothing different about the new day that transpires. It's just another day, really. You ask people all the time, do you feel any older uh, after their birthday? And they say, well, it's just really another day. And it's interesting that a new year is, is really almost psychological. In reality, nothing changed, but to be honest with you, through a new year, God allows us a time to have a fresh start. And I think that's what we all look forward to, isn't it? In the new year, we look forward to that fresh start, that new beginning, that reset button, kind of a do-over. Remember that as a kid? You ever play a game, maybe basketball, maybe you're playing Monopoly or something, and you needed to do over? You know, I don't know if those are official in the, the official rule books of basketball or Monopoly or things like that, but every once in a while you need a do over. You're like, wait a minute, I messed up. Let me have a restart or a reset or a do over. Well, the new year gives us an opportunity to do that. It gives us a chance to have a do over and make corrections in the new year of things we wish had done differently in the former year. Uh, I read somewhere online, it was on social media, about all of those folks who skipped eating their black-eyed peas and cabbage last year. I'll bet you they ate it this year after the year we've had. Matter of fact, I took my wife out to lunch on her birthday. Her birthday's on the 1st, and I took her out to lunch, and we went to this little, nice little hole in the wall downtown Hattiesburg, little out-of-the-way restaurant you wouldn't know was there, and we walked in, and they're having a special on their chalkboard, you know, black-eyed peas and cabbage and all of these things that were there, and we walked in, and I noticed up on the, uh, the blackboard that was there, all of the main menu items for the entrees of the day had lines written through them. They were scratched out. And I asked the guy, I said, you know, what does that mean? That there's an X all over the black-eyed peas, an X over the cat, X over everything. The only thing they had was sweet tea and I think dessert. That's all they had left. He says, we're out. We're out of black-eyed peas. We're out of cabbage. We're out of everything. People had lined up to get in there and eat it. I thought, yeah, those folks didn't eat it last year and it was bad. And they thought, you know what? We better check that box this time. If we're going to have a fresh start, we better eat our black-eyed peas and our cabbage. Matter of fact, I was talking to my mother-in-law this week. She says, I know why the last year was so bad. I says, do tell, do tell. She says, well, on January the 1st, I was walking out the door of her house. She's going to listen to this message, so I'm blaming the last year on her. But she, she owned it. She was walking out the door going to her mom and dad's to have black-eyed peas and cabbage on the first day of the year. And as she walked out the door, the handle of her crock pot broke. And all the black-eyed peas spilled out on the carport. And she says, that's why the last year ended up being the way it was. I spilt all the black-eyed peas. So I hope all of you ate your black-eyed peas and cabbage going into this new year. But whether you did or not, it is still a fresh start for all of us. And whether you're dieting, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I'm sure in a group of this size, there's dozens of us who are probably trying to eat a little bit healthier. Maybe some of you this morning are trying to quit something uh, bad or start something good, regardless of whatever it is you're doing, uh, this year has given us a fresh start to begin again, to reset, and it goes as well for the church. And if you have started a diet, and maybe you started trying to read more books this year, maybe try to lose a little weight, maybe try to start reading your Bible more, something along that line, you've probably found out something you already knew, and that the first days are really the most crucial. If you're going to go on a diet or start exercising or reading books or get back in your routine of reading through the Bible in a year, the most crucial days are the first days because if you don't get it right in the first days, the odds are you're not going to finish right, right? I mean, you've got to get those first few days right because if you can't get it right in the first few days when you have a fresh start, then the odds are you're not going to finish well. You think about that's a scriptural precedent, by the way. Think about Proverbs 22.6. What does it say? Train up a child. It doesn't say train up a teenager. Now, look, train up your teenagers, all right? But you start when they're a child. Make the job easier on Brother Matthew. Start training them while they're young. But notice, train up a child. You start when they're early. You start in that early phase when they're young. And when they're old, they won't depart from what the Bible says. You see the principle that is there? You start early. If you want to finish well, you've got to start early. What did the man do in Matthew chapter number 7 who wanted to have a house that lasted? The Bible says the very beginning... He dug down deep and he built his house upon a rock. You see that precedent is there again. If you want it to end well, it's got to start well. And you've got to get those first few steps right. That's why you see the beauty of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God 
Do you know why the earth was perfect? Do you know why everything was going right? Do you know why there was no sin and no briars and no poison ivy and no pain and no death and no darkness? It's because in the beginning, God. You see, it started right. That's why it was right. But oftentimes, the reason things in our life do not end well or do not end favorably the way we'd like them to end is because many times we don't start right. Now, folks, here we are the first Sunday of a brand new year. God has allowed us through his grace to have a fresh start, and I'm thankful for that. We talked about that on Wednesday night. But we've got to make sure that as we start this new year, listen, we're starting it on the right foot because if we don't start right, even though we have a new year, it doesn't mean we're going to have a different year. Did you hear that? Just because we have a new year and it's a 2021 in light of the last year that we had, it doesn't mean you're going to have a different year if you don't make sure that you take the right steps as we begin this new year. And so it's important that we start this year off right spiritually. Now, if there's anybody in the Bible that could tell us about fresh starts, I think it's Noah. If there's anybody who's really the epitome of fresh starts, it's him. Why? Noah started with a clean slate. Noah started with a brand new world. I mean, Noah didn't have any obnoxious neighbors unless his kids were obnoxious, which is quite possible because kids can be obnoxious. Amen? Amen. There was you an easy one right there. For those of you who wanted to say more amens in the new year, I'm trying to help you, and I just gave you an easy one. Kids can be obnoxious. Amen? Amen. There you go. Look, you're already off to a good start. I'm helping you to be more vocal in the new year to encourage the pastor while he's preaching, all right? So Noah has no obnoxious neighbors. Noah has nobody to bother him who wants to borrow sugar, and nobody wants to uh, ask him, hey, can you watch my kid? There's none of that there. He's got a fresh slate, a clean slate. It's a brand new world. And now Noah has the opportunity to start all over again. But I noticed something this week. I, I preached this to my wife on the couch the other day. Bless her heart. She hears these things all the time. When God puts something on your heart, and man, you're like, man, that's a great thought. I shared it with her, so she's heard this already. And matter of fact, she could probably even preach it better than me now because she heard it and she can speak better than I can. I saw something in verse 8 I've never seen before of something that Noah did. Matter of fact, there are three things that Noah did that he gave his attention to before he really got started in the new life that God had given them. Now, these are three things that we need to give our attention to in the new year if we're going to have a different year. Now, folks, we have a new year. That happened just by the passing of time. All right? We have a new year. It's January the first or January the third of 2021. We have a new year, but that's just a calendar thing. The question this morning is whether or not you're going to have a different year. And the only way you're going to have a different year that ends in a way that's favorable and pleasing unto God that you lay up treasures that are eternal, is that you decide to have a different year by taking the right steps here at the beginning. Now, even those this morning that aren't able to be with us in person, these are steps we must all take together, or else we're going to end this year like we did last year. What do they say the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If you're going to have a different year, not just a new year, you're going to have to have a different you and take the steps to do that. So this morning, I want to give you the first steps of a fresh start. We're going to follow Noah just for a few minutes this morning and look at the first steps that we need to take if we're going to have a fresh start. Now, I want you to notice something. For years, I have preached, and, uh, and, it's, and it's fairly true. For years, I have preached. The first thing that Noah did when he got off the ark was he built an altar. And, in, and, and technically, he did. I guess you want to put it that way. But the Lord showed me something that there's something actually he did before that. And if you'll look down, verse 14, the Bible says, And in the second month of the seven and twentieth day of the month was the earth dried. God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy son's wife with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee. Watch verse 18. And Noah went forth. And his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Then, verse 20 says, he built an altar. There's something very important we need to see that Noah did right after he left as he began his first steps on this fresh start. And it's something we need to pay close attention to this morning. Before we get too excited about what's before us, we need to make sure we have completed what God has laid out for us that's behind us. 
I've never noticed this before, that before Noah moved forward with the first steps of his, of his fresh start, he had to have completed obedience to what God had already showed him. The first thing this morning, if we're going to have a fresh start, the first step we need to take is to make sure we have exactly that, a completed obedience to God. Now, wait a minute. Stick with me, if you will. Imagine Noah and his dear family stepping off of the ark. Uh, I imagine they probably kissed the dirt. I mean, it had been almost a year or right at a year that they were on that boat. I can't imagine how many times they got seasick. They're rocking back and forth, just waiting to get their feet on dry land, and they get off, and man, they probably dug their hands in the dirt, were excited about being on dry land again. I kind of figure Noah stepped off the ark and began looking at a nice place. Maybe he wanted to put his house. I'm sure his wife went over there, as wives do, and began walking around. This is where my kitchen's going to be. This is where my craft room is going to be, you know. It's where they're going to execute all of those things that they see on Pinterest and they find in Hobby Lobby. They've got all of that. This is where my craft room is going to be. But before they looked too far ahead at all that they had imagined it was going to be and how excited at starting this new life together, before they did all of that, notice what God said do. God says, don't forget about the animals on the ark. Don't forget about what I sent you to do to begin with because before you can move forward, you need to complete what I already told you to do that's behind you. Folks, I believe this morning there's something we all need to understand. I'm excited about the new year. I'm excited about the new opportunities. I'm excited about the new vision of what God's given us to do in the new year. But I fear this morning one of the things that could hold us back in moving forward in the new year and have a fruitful and prosperous new year is there's obedience that's yet to be completed that's behind us. Now, folks, can I tell you something? If God told you something in the last year to do or to be or to quit doing or to start doing that you haven't done yet, God hasn't changed his mind on that. Now, folks, listen to me. If we want to move forward in a fruitful year and the opportunities he will provide, we've got to be obedient to what thus saith the Lord that he said in the last year already. I fear oftentimes we look at a new year and think, well, this is a fresh start. I'm just going to start new. And whatever God wants me to do, I'm going to do it. Well, can I tell you what God wants you to do? What he's already told you to do. Noah had animals that were still on the ark. Look, he couldn't move forward and build his house and plant his garden. He couldn't move forward and build the altar just yet. Why? He had to complete the obedience of what God had already told him. I want you to think about it this way. I hope you didn't go into the new year in debt, but the odds are, based on the average statistics of Americans, you probably went into 2021 in debt. Credit card debt is through the roof in America. I know we've all had tough times, this, that, and the other. But imagine if you thought, you know what, it's a new year. Fresh start. I'm starting with a blank slate. And you call Capital One and you tell Capital One, look, I know I've got this debt from the last year. I know I went and bought a Harley that I did not need. I know I went on extra vacations I didn't need to go on. I know I went by Krispy Kreme one too many times to swipe that card. I know I owe you $15,000. I think the national average is about $12,000 in credit card debt for each American. I know I owe you all of that, but it's a new year. It's a fresh start. And you know what? I'm just going to start at zero from here going out. And from now on, I'm going to pay all of my bills. How do you think that's going to work out? I don't know that Capital One is going to be as understanding as you are. I think Capital One is going to say, look, I don't care how much money you plan on spending and what you're going to do in the future, you still have this debt to pay in the past. And before you can move forward in the future, you're going to have to settle the debt that you've already accrued. Now, folks, can I tell you this morning, God's the same way. I believe many of us this morning desire to move forward in the new year and accomplish the will of God, but we have a debt of obedience we've yet to pay. We know what God has already told us to do and who God's told us to be, and we want to just pretend like that never existed, but understand this this morning. God has not changed his mind. The things that God led you to do and the things that God led you to be or to start doing or to quit doing, he's still serious about, and he hasn't changed his mind at all. And the only way we're going to be able to move forward fully in the new year to enjoy the opportunities that God through his grace has provided for us is to make sure that we make sure that we take care of that obedience of what we already know. Well, folks, how often do we try to move on with one thing without finishing what God has already told us to do? Pretend like it's not there. God, I know you told me that. I know you told me that. But I want to move forward and look forward to what you want me to do next. No, God says, I've already told you to do some things and you haven't done those yet. The first step 
And this new start and this fresh start that God's given us is completed obedience to God. And all throughout Scripture, you will find examples of what happens and the cost that you're going to pay for incomplete obedience. Do you know that incomplete obedience is the same as disobedience? It is. You say, well, wait a minute. I did 99.9% of what God told me in the last year. I'm doing good. I haven't said it yet. 99.9% of what God told me to do in the last year. It's only 0.1%. Let's just move on and move forward. No, can I tell you, God is just as serious about that 0.1% of what you haven't done as he is about the 99.9% that you have. We read in 1 Samuel about Saul. Oh, if there's ever a picture of incomplete of obedience, it is Saul. God told him to go in and destroy the Amalekites. Just destroy all of it. The Bible says that he decided to keep some things back. Turn with me. Let's, let's look at it together. Let's start the year off right by knowing I'm not lying to you, all right? 1 Samuel 15. Brother Michael says amen. He's tired of me lying to him. 1 Samuel 15. Look down, if you will, to verse 2. Let's say it's the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Watch verse 3. Now go smite Amalek and utterly destroy. All right, there we go. We good? We back? All right, we'll go with this one. All right, that'll work. You've got to think on your feet, amen. Verse 3, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. The Bible says, so Saul gathered his army to go and he went. The Bible says, if you'll look down to verse 7, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Haviah until thou comest to shore that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king, and the Amalekites alive. Wait a minute. The Bible says he smote most of them, but he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Watch verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. Now, what did God say do in verse number 3? Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. You go on to find out, read down that Samuel comes to Saul. Verse number 12, and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel. Behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. If you keep reading, you'll find out, verse 24, Saul confesses to his sin. In verse 26, Samuel says, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. What has happened? Saul thought, you know what, I'm going to save this. I'm going to hold this back. It's just a little bit. You know, we're going to destroy everybody. We're going to keep just a little bit back and hold this little bit back, and everything's going to be okay. It wasn't okay with God. Verse 26, God says, I've rejected thee from being king. Why? Two words, incomplete obedience. He knew what God said, and even though he did a lot of what God said, he held back from doing all of what God said, and God says, I've rejected you. Now, folks, all throughout Scripture, we see example after example of what happens when God's people try to live in incomplete obedience. We know what God says, and we do most of what God says, but we hold some things back from God, don't we? I did a study the other day. It was an interesting story I was reading, so I dug a little bit deeper into it. About 99.9%. That's a pretty good number, isn't it? 99. Most of us would accept 99.9%, wouldn't we? But listen to this. If we accepted 99.9% as the standard of what is good, 12 babies will be given to the wrong parents each day at hospitals across America. But hey... We got 99.9% of them right. I mean, 99.9% of children got to their right parents. I mean, how frightening. We could not accept that. 12 babies, I hope that's not what happens across America. 12 babies a day in the United States of America go to the wrong parents? No, 99.9% is not acceptable. Think about this. 20,000 incorrect drug prescriptions will be written throughout the course of a year if we accepted 99.9%. 20,000. 
for those of you that need your medication, I think you would, you would accept the fact that's unacceptable. 107 incorrect medical procedures will be performed every day if 99.9% was good enough. Now, folks, 99.9% is not good for children, it's not good for medicine, it's not good for doctors, and it shouldn't be good for God either. If we want to have the blessings of God in our life, in our home, in our church, looking forward in the new year, we've got to understand this morning we can't move forward in the new year with incomplete obedience. We've got to do what we know God has already said. If we want God to bless and God to use us and for God to work through this church in the new year, we've got to make sure the first step that we take is to finish what God has already started. I know we've turned the page and it's a new year. We don't want to look back on that other year, but there's something in that other year that you've yet to do that God told you to do. I wouldn't take another step in this new life without being obedient to God. What did the Bible say that Noah did? Go back to chapter six, or chapter eight, I'm sorry. The Bible says, go forth out of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives. Bring forth with thee. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you still have some animals on your ark? Do you still have some animals on your ark? So what do you mean? Well, you're excited. The ark has landed. The flood is over. I mean, the last year is done. We're closing the, the book on that chapter of our lives. Thank God for that. And I'm thankful as much as you are. But before you move forward, are there some animals you need to get off your ark this morning? Is there some obedience you need to follow through? Listen, I know God's prepared something wonderful in front of us, and next week we're going to talk all about that. But before we can enjoy what God's prepared for us, we've got to make sure that we're obedient to what thus saith the Lord in our past. We've got to be obedient to what God has made clear, or else we're not following God fully. Can I tell you this this morning, in spite of what our world wants you to think and what popular Christianity wants you to think, you cannot give God your whole heart and half obedience. We talk about and we sing about giving God our whole heart. God, I want to give you my whole heart. The only way to give God your whole heart is give him your whole obedience. There's no way you can give God your whole heart and all of your life and only be half obedient to God. No, if you want to give God your whole life, give him your whole obedience. 100%, not even 99.9%. Because it's that 1.1% that's going to get you. What did Solomon say? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Do you know what's going to ruin, ruin your new year? the things you haven't completed in obedience in the old year. You know what God has said, and God hasn't changed your mind. We look in our Bibles in Matthew 25. We won't take the time to turn there. You know the story well of the parable of the talents. What was it that made the difference in those that heard well done? You think about this. It said, thou hast been faithful over what? The few things. It was the few things that made the difference. The small things, the things that we overlook. Charles Spurgeon said this, does not the tiny coral itself build a rock which wrecks a navy? Those little pieces of coral, have you ever been scuba diving and you see those little pieces of coral, they slowly come together and slowly come together and they create a reef that can sink an entire navy little by little by little. And that 0.1% of disobedience or incomplete obedience, it's what's going to spoil your new year. So number one this morning, the first step in our fresh start is a completed obedience to God. In the 11th century, King Henry VIII of Bavaria got tired of being king. Now, who would think someone would ever get tired of being king? I mean, I'm the king of my house in 15 years. I haven't got tired of it yet. I mean, think about building a throne. No, not really. My wife would dethrone me, I assure you. But King Henry VIII of Bavaria in the 11th century got tired of all the day-to-day -day work of being king and the decisions that had to be made and the burden of being a king. And so he went to a monastery and he appealed to a prior by the name of Richard. He says, I want to become a monk. I want to live the rest of my life out in peace and solitude. He says, do you know you're going to be giving up uh, the throne and the kingdom and all that comes with that? He says, I absolutely know. I'm prepared for that. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. I want to step down from the throne and I want to become a monk. He says, well, are you really willing to do whatever God wants you to do? The king says, absolutely. Here's what he says, and I quote. He says, go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. If you're really serious about moving forward in the new year, you're really serious about moving forward and doing the will of God, and then go back and take care of what he's already told you to take care of. Don't tell God about what you want to do in the new year and how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that and New Year's resolutions to read through your Bibles five times. It doesn't matter. 
He said, well, I'm going to do this. God says, well, the way you prove to me what you're going to do is by what you've already done and what you've done with what I've already told you to do. So number one, first step in this fresh start is a completed obedience to God. But then notice what he did real quickly. The Bible says that after he brought these animals off the ark, verse 20, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord. Believe it or not, this is the first point I wanted to get to, and God kept backing me up. says, no, there was something before the altar. He got those animals off the ark. But notice the Bible says he built an altar to the Lord. Now, here's Noah completely starting over. Imagine what you have to do to completely start over. I've moved a few times in my life. I hate moving. I hate moving. Packing things up. Matter of fact, moving taught me to throw things away. I'm a pack rat by nature. I really am. I save stuff, hold on to stuff. I'm a sentimental guy, but moving has taught me to throw things away. I mean, look, when we left Louisiana, we left things in the house. We gave things away. I mean, Goodwill got rich off of all of our treasures. Why? I hate moving. Hate having to set up a new life and you'll get everything back together. Moving into a new house and all of those things. Imagine what Noah had to do. He's in a brand new place, needs a brand new house. I mean, he's, got a, he's got a, probably got to break some horses to ride or some camels to ride. He has all of these things to do. And yet notice what he did first. The Bible says he built an altar unto the Lord. Now, what is he doing? Noah understood something we've got to see this morning. I'm going to hurry. But he understand that all that he had to do was not more important than what he needed to do. And this is something we've got to get today. All the things that we have to do and we're looking forward to in the new year are not more important than the things we need to do. And the things that we need to do is what Noah did. What did he do? He acknowledged God. He stopped to acknowledge God. Now, folks, if we're going to genuinely have a fresh start in this new year, we're going to have to, number two, have a conscious acknowledgement of God. A conscious acknowledgement of God. You say, what do you mean? This wasn't an accident. Noah wasn't like, oh, I forgot to stop and pray today, and he pulled over to the side of the road and had a word of prayer. No, he stopped to acknowledge God in his life. Put it this way. Before he looked forward, he looked up. Before he looked forward, he stopped to look up and acknowledge God. Could I encourage you to do something this morning? Before you look too far into 2021, look up. Before you look forward to the opportunities of what God wants to do and what you're going to do for God, could I make sure that you stop and acknowledge God before you go too far? You know, Noah had had a rough year. Noah had a rough year. Can you imagine what it smelt like on the ark? You know, they didn't have Febreze back then. I don't think they had anywhere to plug in a plug-in, you know? I don't think they had odor eaters. I imagine it was pretty rough. I, I mean, all those animals, all that stuff stinking. I mean, he's rocking back and forth. Noah had a rough year. And yet at the end of his rough year, watch this, instead of trying to move on from the rough year that he had, he stopped to acknowledge God. Now, we can relate to that, can't we? We had a rough year. And yet at the end of our rough year, you know what we need to do? We need to do what Noah did. We need to stop to acknowledge God. Why? And this is important. Get this today. Noah understood what the flood was all about. Noah understood what the flood was all about. What he went through and what the world went through was a direct result of the world not acknowledging God. Why did God send the flood? What does the Bible say? Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Why did God send the flood in the first place? Because the world had come to the place where they no longer acknowledged God. And Noah understood that all that he went through and the world had just went through was because the world did not acknowledge God. You know what Noah says? not going to make that mistake again. Noah says, right off the boat, once the animals get out, boys, let's build an altar together. Why? Because we're going to acknowledge God. We understand that what we just went through was a result of not acknowledging God. We don't want to go through what we went through again, so we're going to stop right here and right now before we go any further. If we have to sleep under the stars tonight, boys, we're going to make sure we honor and acknowledge God. I don't know about you, but I believe with all of my heart, the last year that we went through, so many of the things were a direct result of the fact that we have not been acknowledging God. America has not been acknowledging God, and so God's shaking America. Matter of fact, God's shaking this world. Why? Because we're not acknowledging him. We're not looking to him. We go about our life. We're building our homes and our kingdoms in this, in this life. God says, you forgot all about me. I'm going to help you remember me, and God shakes up our snow globe just a little bit. Things get rough in this life. Why? God wants us to acknowledge him. I believe the catastrophe of the flood was God saying, you're refusing to acknowledge me. 
You're refusing. Can I tell you that this morning, God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to shake up things in our life to where we're finally willing to bow a knee and build an altar and acknowledge him in our life. We have a wallet that's full and a bank account that's full and everything's right in our world. And we forget about God and then all of a sudden God takes those things away. Why? He says, acknowledge me. All of those things came from me. Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? He didn't acknowledge him. They lived in total rebellion to him. Why did God not allow the children of Israel to go into the promised land? Because they refused to acknowledge him. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that what? Forget God. You know what forgetting God is? Not acknowledging him. Folks, I believe this new year could be a different year, but it's got to begin by his people acknowledging him. Noah was acknowledging what? He was, is this one on, guys? There we go. We're back on. I get that. That thing is so distracting. I'm going to knock it off. Noah was acknowledging that God had brought them through here. Noah was acknowledging that it was going to be God that was going to carry them on. And folks, just like Noah, it's God who brought us through the last year. It's going to be God who's going to get us through this year. We better stop right here and right now. And one of the first steps you make in your life is to acknowledge him. God, it was you in the past. It's going to be you in the future. God, I'm acknowledging you. And the Bible says that we acknowledge him. He shall direct our paths. How do you find your way in uncertain times? You let somebody else show you the way. I don't know what 2021 holds. Who knows if it's going to be much different than the last year we were in. I don't know which way to go. But the Bible says if I will acknowledge him, he will direct my paths. Oh, it's going to be a, an exciting year. But it's an uncertain year. And God wants to bless us and God wants to use us, but we've got to acknowledge him. Now, I want you to notice something, if you will. In 2 Kings chapter 1, the Bible talks about Ahaziah. King Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice, the Bible says. And he went to Beelzebub, and he asked Beelzebub whether he was going to be healed or not. And God says, you know what? God says, because you went to Beelzebub, you're not going to come off that bed. And Elijah sent a message to him that you're going to die right where you're at. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, really neat story. So the Bible says that Ahaziah sent a group, a captain with an army of 50 to go get Elijah and bring him back. He says, hey, the guy that told you I was going to die, go bring him here. And so here comes this, this captain with his 50, and he comes up, and Elijah's up on the mouse, and he says, hey, thou man of God, I want you to come down. I want you to come down. Elijah says, if I be a man of God, let fire fall down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. And all of a sudden, pfft, torched them all. The king says, hey, captain number two, get you and your 50, go get him. I'm captain number two, I'm like, all right. They get on the road, they take off, they come up to the mountain, there's Elijah, he says, thou man of God, come down from there. Elijah says, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. I've always pictured these little piles of ashes everywhere around some boots. I don't know why, but that's all what I've pictured. So King Ahaziah says, captain number three, and he's like, I knew I shouldn't have came into work today. Captain number three, you and your 50, go bring back Elijah. And here they come. They're coming to the mountain. Looks up and there's Elijah. Interesting story. When you read in 2 Kings chapter 1, the whole thing, the Bible says that he fell down on his knees. And he says, I beg you, and I'm paraphrasing, spare the life of me and my men. Come down. The Bible says that God told Elijah, go with him. Now, what was the difference? What made the difference in captain number three? Captain number three walks up. He sees all these ashes there, and he's thinking, hmm. One, two, three, fifty-one. One, two, three, fifty-one. Do you think? All of a sudden, boom, to the floor. Please. You know what he did? He learned from the mistakes of those other guys. He fell down to his knees and acknowledged God. And he acknowledged the man of God. Folks, we've come through a rough year. And oh, at the end of that year, there's piles of ashes everywhere. From so many in our world, even in our country, who just, we haven't acknowledged God. And the question is, are we going to learn from the past and help us bow a knee to acknowledge God, God at the beginning of our new year?
Bible says that this man was spared and his king and his men were spared. Why? He acknowledged God. I'll tell you this. If we haven't learned to acknowledge God after last year, I don't know there's any hope for us. If we can't look around at all the piles of ashes, so many jobs are in piles of ashes, so much of our security is in a pile of ashes, there's just piles of ashes everywhere. If we can't look at all of what God has burned up and learn a lesson that we need to bow before God and acknowledge him, there's no hope for America. If we're going to have a fresh start in a new year and a different year, we must have a conscious acknowledgement of God. Brother Nate's been to Italy. Brother Nate's watching this morning. Hope you all having a good morning. I know they're in suits and ties and all dressed up today. I know Brother Nate's not sitting here watching in his pajamas today, or at least I hope he's not. He's going to text me in a minute, but I'm not going to answer it because I'm preaching. He's been to Italy, and he showed me some pictures of Italy. And at St. Peter's Basilica, there's a statue called the Pietà. And the statue is a picture of uh, the Virgin Mary holding the body of Christ after he was taken off the cross. And it's a sculpture that Michelangelo has made. Michelangelo made this sculpture. He did not sign it, did not put his name on it, because he just figured that everybody who looked at it could tell that was Michelangelo's work. After the statue was set up, he was in a crowd of people as people were admiring this statue, and someone attributed the statue to another well-known artist. As Michelangelo stands there, he's thinking to himself, what? I made that. I'm the sculptor of that, and they're giving this other guy credit for that? So you know what he did? True story. He came back during the night, and he carved his name at the base of the Pietta. Why? He wanted everybody to know, hey, that was me. That was me. It was, he was so got off with it, he went through all of this work for this beautiful statue. We have a picture of it, guys. We have that picture up here. There it is, a picture of it. All of this work for this beautiful statue, and yet nobody acknowledged that it was Michelangelo who did it. My feelings would be hurt, too. All that work, and nobody realizes who did it. And yet, isn't that how our God feels? What has he done for you lately? He's brought us through. He's allowed us to be here today. He's given us strength. He's given us health. He brought us through the last year, and yet we're going to go into the new year without even stop to acknowledge him? You know, the Bible talks about a group of people in Romans chapter 1 who are very much like that. Romans 1.25, the Bible says that these people changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. What does that mean? It means that they worshipped the creation and did not acknowledge the creator. So how dumb could those people be? Just as dumb as we are. Why? Because we worship our jobs and our cars. How do you know we worship that? We put them in front of God. We worship the creation and what God's blessed us with without yet acknowledging the creator. And this morning I'm afraid that we're not going to have a different year. You may have a new year, but you're not going to have a different year. Why? Because you're not acknowledging God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All of it. Not 99.9% of it. And then once we trust him with all of our heart, what does he do? The Bible says, we acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. So number two this morning, don't make the same mistake twice. Before you look forward, be sure you look up. And then finally, the last thing is good news. If you look over to chapter number nine, we're going to see one more thing that Noah needed moving forward. One more ingredient to his fresh start. Chapter number 9, look at verse number 9. And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. Watch what he says. Verse 11, and I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Verse 12, and God says, this is a token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and thee. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Now watch this before we go today. The first step in this fresh start was completed obedience. Noah had to finish what God had already started. The second step was Noah had to make sure that he acknowledged God. We've got to make sure we acknowledge God. There's no point in moving forward. But the third is vital moving forward. It's something that God gave Noah. He gave him a reminder. You see the love of our father here. He gave him a reminder. What was the reminder about? 
Well, it was a peaceful reassurance from God. This is the third step we're going to need this morning. Before we move forward in the new year, we need some reassurance from God. I don't know about you, but last year, my assurances in a lot of things were shaken. My confidence in a lot of things were shaken. I mean, so many of the core principles of this country were threatened in the last year. So many of those things I don't have assurance in anymore, and yet God, through his word, gives us a reassurance. In spite of the unknowns that we're going to go into in the new year and the things that we're not sure about and not sure how they're going to turn out, God wants his children to have reassurance. We see Noah about to go into this new world. It's a brand new world. I mean, who knew what was waiting on him? The only thing he knew was the animals that he brought with him and his family. That's it. And yet as they entered into this new world, God gave him a reassurance. You see, God didn't want him to fear every time it thundered. Think about that. I'll be honest with you. If you went through what Noah went through, I bet you every time it thundered, you start looking around. You, you probably had that ark stowed off there in the back. Boys, drag the ark out of dry, you know, out of dry storage. Bring it out of here. Here we go again. God says, no, I, won't, I don't want you to live that way. Folks, listen, I've seen it so many times posted on Facebook, and I've had so many times in conversation. God does not want us to live in fear, all right? As we look forward to what God has called us to do, If God spares us and gives us time to live in 2021, God wants us to move forward with reassurances from where? Well, the same place that Noah got them from, from his word. God says, no, I'm going to give you a reassurance. That reassurance is in the symbol of that rainbow. I was thinking about our graduation this past year, how different it was and how weird it was. I know it was weird for me. I imagine for the graduates it was even weirder for them. I remember that day, if you recall, we had the tent set up out here. Rain came through, blew the tent down, bent the tent post, and we're just thinking, what else could happen? We quit asking that after a while in the last year, didn't we? Because we found out what else could happen. All these things are going wrong. The wind's blowing. The rain's coming down. And all of a sudden, I think we have a picture of it. I want to show you this. Something appeared over our church. This beautiful rainbow. I mean, I'm so frustrated. I'm like, come on. This kid's graduation, it's raining, the tent's blowing down. I mean, come on. They just want to graduate, and we just want to get rid of them. No, we're just trying to get them graduated. And we can't even get them graduated. The, I remember the rehearsal? The rehearsal was in pouring down rain. And we're thinking, good night. And all of a sudden, there above our church was the most beautiful rainbow. And you know what it did for me? It reassured me that God keeps his word. Do you know in this new year, There's not a lot of reassurances that are out there. But one reassurance you can take into the new year is God's going to keep his word. God says, no, I give you a reminder, this rainbow up in the sky, to remind you I'm going to keep my word. I don't want you to live in fear every time that it thunders. I don't want you to worry and doubt every time a little bit of rain falls. What are we going to do? Also, we watch the news, and all of a sudden, some of the things that happened in 2020 start happening in 2021. Man, I said it. Mm. We're going to start worrying again, aren't we? Oh, no. Oh, no. All of a sudden, the numbers on the virus start to spike again. Oh, no. It's fixing to happen again. Oh, no. We're fixing to go, and we're going to start fearing again. Do you know what God wants us to do in the new year? Have reassurance in his word. Reassurance. You know what he's saying? Remember what I told you? All of a sudden, I I just think about it. That first time Noah's out there in his yard. I don't know if he's cutting his grass. I don't know what he's doing, but Noah's out there in his yard doing something. And it thunders for the first time. I'll guarantee you, Noah's heart began to beat a little faster. His neck probably got a little hot. Oh, no, not again. And then all of a sudden, there's this rainbow that reminded him God keeps his word. God's going to keep his word. I can't tell you a lot about 2021, but one thing I can tell you is God's going to keep his word. What did he say in his word? Philippians 4, he says, I can do all things through Christ. I don't know what this year holds, but I do know God keeps his word. And God said in his word, I can. I can through Christ. What else does his word say? 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God's not going to allow me to go through more in 2021 than I can bear. 
what you're going to be tempted to do in, in the new year? You're going to be tempted to doubt and to fear and to worry and to wonder. But the Bible says that you're, you don't have to give in to that temptation. Why? Because God's going to provide a way of escape. I found in my own life that when I forget, I begin to drift. When I forget about the goodness of God and the greatness of his grace, I begin to drift. And God knew that Noah was going to doubt and worry, so he gave him a reminder. And that reminder was this rainbow. This morning, God gives us something even more wonderful than a rainbow, and that is his word. And he wants you to look to this when it thunders. He wants you to look to this when you are tempted to doubt and to worry. He wants you to look to this. Why? Because he wants you to look forward in the new year with a reassurance from God that God's going to keep his word. I read a story about a little girl. I'll give you this and we'll close. A little girl was afraid of the dark. <clears throat> and her mom came in her bedroom and says, Honey, I need to turn the lamp off. And the girl says, Well, I'm afraid. And she says, Well, we've got to turn the lamp off so you'll sleep good. She says, Look out the window. She says, The moon is shining bright tonight. She says, God still has his light on. So the mom turned the lamp off and the the moon was lit up bright, shining in the girl's window. And she says, Mom, she says, does God ever turn his light off? And the mom says, no, God never turns his light off. He's always awake. He never goes to sleep. The little girl said this. She said, well, as long as God is awake, there's no sense in both of us staying awake. I'm going to get some rest. You see, the little girl had an assurance in who her God was. This morning, I look forward to the new year. I really do with hope and courage and optimism. I really do. But understand, before we look into this new year, we need to make sure we have a different year. And that begins right now by taking the first steps in this fresh start. What are they? Number one, a completed obedience to God. Is there anything in the past that you need to tidy up before we go into the new year? Put it simply this morning, are there some animals you need to let off the ark today? I mean, man, we're looking forward, we're excited about the new world and the new slate and the, the new us and the new year. But wait a minute, is there some old obedience we need to take care of? Maybe this morning during the invitation, you need to let some animals off the ark. Finish what God's already told you. Maybe this morning you need to have a conscious acknowledgement of God. Look, don't, don't try to move forward. Don't. Don't try to build anything. Don't try to be anything. Don't try to do anything before you stop and acknowledge God. It was God that brought you this far. It's going to be God that carries you on. Stop right now. Bow a knee and acknowledge God right at the beginning. In the beginning, God. And it was good because God was at the beginning. Or maybe this morning, you need a reassurance. God doesn't want you to live in fear. God doesn't want you to doubt. God doesn't want you to worry. God wants you to move forward with his assurance, but that assurance comes from his word. Heads are bowed this morning and eyes are closed.